cliffcentral.com. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Jack McClanter. How are you? I'm fantastic, big guy. How are you? Good. Nothing to moan about, nothing to complain about. Well, I mean, if they look right, you know, you find, if you look for things, you'll find them. Basically. Yep. But uh, all good. All, all good. All gravy. All gravy. Yeah. So what's been happening, man? I haven't spoken to you in a while. How's your 2024 turning out? I mean, we almost got, almost got through the first month of it. So uh, January will soon be a thing of the past. But how are yeah. you doing? Uh, I've, I've been great. Uh, this past weekend, we were celebrating my cousin's birthday. So uh, all of her friends came to the house. It was filled with estrogen, but <laughs> I survived. It was great. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> That sounds okay. It's not yeah. the worst thing in the world. Not at all. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I will say this though. Uh, drunk women are very loud. Like I understand drunk people in yeah. general are loud, but when it comes to the female species and alcohol, it's like, you know, it's unbelievable. I had this, this being loud thing. There's, there's a, there's a big problem in this country. Like we always feel like we have to make a huge racket and, I'm not averse to people having fun, right? Yeah. But I was I, w I walked past two people the other day in a public area, like a shopping mall or whatever. I can't remember ex exactly where it was. Mm -hmm. These two people were they were standing this far from each other, like two heads away from each other. Yeah. And and the volume was I don't know, 120 decibels. They were it was insanely loud and the they were right next to each other. Again, yep. two women in this case. I'm mm -hmm. not saying it's always women. Yeah. But for some reason, these two thought that everybody else needed to also be partial to their conversation, which I do not understand. And I think across the board, it's it's a very South African thing. Like you have these these high pitched kind of uh, female interchanges where they, they 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 screeching at each other for some reason. It's you know what I mean. I don't understand it. For at all. whatever reason, I think uh, people have 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 it in their mind that the louder you get, the the easier your message gets across. But it's like, no, don't raise your voice. Better your argument. But like for whatever reason, people and, just raise their voice. Oh, and they're not they're not angry with each other. Don't get not me at wrong. All. Um, yeah. Usually, when you say raising your voice, you you mean angry. These are these are two friends clearly talking to each other. It just seems to me that. The louder you are prepared to be around complete strangers, the less important your conversation probably is. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if you're talking about important, let's say you're discussing uh, a major, major business move you're about to make. You you're about to uh, decide to do something huge with your, you know, your 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 career. You you gotta keep that a bit quieter. Mm. It's something you're discussing with someone you trust. Yep. Not everybody needs to hear it, but Oh my God, if it's dumb, if it's about some emotional drama or some family issue that nobody else will know about or care about, or it's a soap opera, or it's some crap that you're involved in, <laughs> top of your yeah. voice. Yeah. My, my least favorite is those guys, those men who take, I don't know if you can call them men, they take a phone call on speaker and they, they try to sound so important. I yeah. don't know if they still do it as much, but you know, when cell phones just came out, it was such a big deal for these like loser guys. It's like guys who 
wear brand, heavy branding all over them. You know, the ones mm. who like have big brand names right over the front of their yep. shirt. And, you know, everything has to be branded, branded, branded because they want you to know they have money. Yeah. And, and the, the guys, the guys who go with the speaker phone and they're like, yeah, but I think we must sell it like 2.3 because, uh, you know, that's about as much as uh, we need exposure to. You there know? you go. You're like, and they what always, loser. like, they throw out these random numbers, like, that no one puts in general conversations ever. Like, no. as you said, like, yeah, I think it's like uh, 2.3 million, yeah. And then perhaps we'll change uh. it up when the time is right. I, I'm just not feeling the vibe at this point in uh. time. You're like, guy, look, yeah, you're not uh, talking uh, about 2.3 million rand. Like, let it go. It happened. It happened the other day in the gym. These these two guys were talking on the phone. So one of them was in the gym. The other one, who knows where he was, probably lying in bed at home. Yeah. And they were trying to make it sound like they were having this important business conversation. And it was just nonsense. It, you could hear it was nonsense. Yeah. And and again, it, it that really irritating kind of, I'm trying hard to impress people I don't know tone yeah. in the guy's voice. Mm -hmm. I was it was in the. It's just a like, guy. Nobody cares. Nobody. First of all, no one knows who you are. Second of all, people are here to. They, most of them have earphones in, so they're not even listening to you. They mm. can't hear you, even though you're on. You're on loud in the gym on your speaker. Go to a room. There's there's bound to be some little booth. If you if you called me and you said to me, "Listen, uh, Gareth, I need to talk to you about tomorrow's show or whatever," and it wasn't. Let's say it's not the most top secret important thing. Yeah. Just. Because I respect you and I respect the conversation we're going to have and stuff comes up. You don't want to be whispering because that is rude. For sure. Right? You don't want to be whispering to someone. But go into another room where you're not bothering other people and then continue your conversation and then you can speak freely. It's just common decency. I, for whatever reason, people have, have completely left that idea like everyone just immediately assumes that everyone cares about every single thing that you're doing it's like uh no no one yeah. actually cares you know what the internet has made that worse because now people really genuinely believe they're fascinating mm -hmm. they think they are so fascinating yep we've got to we've got to be doing everything we do in public we we, we are like the south african version of the kardashians people love us mm. they're going to want to hear my story no, actually, they don't. no one cares. Uh, no. I think Sims, uh, she, she told me a very great lesson last week. She was like, look, all of us are unique, but none of us are special. You have to work to be special. And I think everyone just, most people just wake up with the idea that they're special. It's not the case. No. It really isn't. No, in fact, a great many people will be born and die that history will never even record. Yep. A great many people who, who I don't know that for some reason you might think they're important in your life right now. You 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 may know their name. Their, their name may be uh, in your head a lot at the moment. Mm. Maybe in, not even before the end of this year, you probably have forgotten they existed. Yep. And so. I think uh, when you when you think about it, it, in general, we forget more days than we remember. History is no different. It's going to forget more people of than course. it remembers. So it's no, just the way it's sure. just the way the cookie crumbles. I'm not mad at it. I heard, no, I heard a cool thing the other day um, when we were 
coming to the end of 2023 and people were talking about what they've felt they've achieved, where they've gone, what they've done, what kind of a year it was, etc. Mm. And you can only have those conversations for another two or three days before you start sounding silly now. Mm. But they pointed out something cool that I thought was actually a really good idea. If you want to know what you've done recently that you that you thought was important, thanks to technology, we have a we have a logbook. If you go into your photo, your 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 album, your camera roll mm. on your phone, and you go through everything from January last year to now, you'll be able to make. I mean, it'll be a fairly long list unless you're a, you're an extremely boring person, or or you don't take any photos at all, which you know there are people who don't. Yeah, but it could be quite a fun exercise for all of us to do to just go through our camera roll and write down all the cool, interesting stuff we did yeah. in the last 12 months, hmm. just to kind of see. And, and you know, your, the reason I say your camera roll and, and this person made a lot of sense is because you wouldn't take a picture of something that you thought was unimportant. Yep. And, and obviously the stuff, there's stuff that people sent you, which you can ignore, but I'm talking about things you actually did in your life. Um, not, not just random photographs of, of pretty things, you know, things that, made you smile on the day but it could be i mean that could be a big part of it and then you write that all down and i reckon you'll have quite a few entries yeah. where you should unless again unless you've done nothing with your whole life but yeah, there, you know. i don't think there's um, too many people who have done absolutely nothing with their whole lives so the majority oh, of us surprised. the majority of us you'd will find something to smile about within in those pictures that's for sure um so here are a couple of comments uh Snai says and this is true the Maltese in Europe and the West Africans shot at each other, basically. I right. think there's a lot of that here. Too. Hmm. Uh, I always thought there was a cultural thing, says Slippery Pickle. People talk loud so that we don't think that they're being sneaky. I also heard that. Is that is? Do you think there's any truth to that? I don't know. I really don't know. Like, especially given the fact that we don't all speak the same language. I, I, I don't know if that's true or not. That's actually the first time yeah. I've ever heard that. No, I think that's. I think people made that up. Hmm. They made that up as an explanation. I mean, I I really don't think people are that conscious of how they appear to other people. That's part of the problem, right? Is that they don't know how they look and sound to others, and they don't care. Probably, I think they care too much how they look and sound to people, which is why they choose to be loud to try present some sort of. Uh, image to other people that they are greater than than what they really are. I don't know. It's it it feels as if uh, we are living through some sort of performance art piece, and everyone's trying to figure Maybe. out their role. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, so smiling time says nothing is worse than the speakerphone loud deals being made in the slow lounge at the airport. Mm. Levels of self importance reach new levels there. Yeah, yep. especially. It's a weird thing, like the airports. I suppose because people imagine that they are they're dealing with important because they're traveling. Yep, people, you know, it's all Quite perception. A lot of nonsense. It's all perception. You remember last week I was telling you that we live in Mbone. This is right yes. up the alley. Mm -hmm. This is another Mboneng thing. Yep. you're right. Where everything is about performance art. It's mm. showing off. You may have, you know what, Jack? You you're very smart. You may have just hit the nail on the head here. Yeah. It's a kind of performance art. Yeah. And people think they think they're an exhibition. They think they're a they're a, a an article of art. Mm. They think they're an artifact. I think it's it's 
people have become more uh, conscious of social capital, if I can put it that way. Uh, how the world perceives you and how you perceive the world kind of can open certain doors depending on how you, you know, live out your life seemingly. But a lot of people are really concerned with how they come across to other people. And the moment you can show yourself to be of a particular class or of a particular level of income, you know, people kind of treat you differently. Yeah, they think you're special. (laughs) Morning all. Obviously still sleeping, says Melissa. Well, (laughs) that's okay. You're allowed to wake up slowly. Yes. Take it easy today. Don't you know there's there's something um, the the real people talk about privilege, right? Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest privileges, one of the biggest flexes, let's say, because that's the language we use these days. Uh, if you really want to flex how important and uh, and powerful and and socially mobile you are, as you just said, mm. if you really want to show off your social status, you must be one of those people who wakes up late, and not because you don't have anything to do. But because you're a busy person, but you have a rule, like you can't call me before nine. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a flex. It's like that you have a permanent a message on your on your email or on your phone that says, "I'm terribly sorry, I don't talk to anyone before nine. Yeah, <laughs> and no <laughs> one calls be- you before nine. Like absolutely no one. Mm. Yeah. It's like having most probably at nine in the morning, you've got the long list of people just waiting to pick up the phone yep. just to call you. Mm. Uh, Tatra says, I have speaker iPods for calls. I extract from all, from all view because someone might be speaking to them. You're not. I, I don't understand. That's the worst typed up message I've ever seen in my life. So try that again. <laughs> unless you're driving. Unless you're driving that. If that's how you type. I'd rather hear from you in a call because your typing is shit. Yeah, no. That um, made absolutely no sense. Yeah. Michael John says, I have my focus set to, and then he leaves us hanging. Hmm. What's going on? Are, well, are people thinking in half you, this morning? <laughs> I think they. a lot of people are just waking up. Uh, okay. So, Jack, do you use uh, your focus settings on your phone? Do you use those like settings where... Like if you go into a meeting, you put it on a certain setting so that calls can't get through, or or is that too much work? Um, to be honest, my phone is not that busy, so I can easily walk into a, a meeting and just put it on vibrate or on silent and get back to whatever I need to get back to straight after the meeting. Um, I'm not a person that particularly fiddles with my phone that much. I, I really use it for the bare minimum things. Like I'm not one of those people that will let you know some sort of secret way of doing certain things on your phone or whatever. So I legit just use it for the bare minimum. So WhatsApp, uh, social media, so, and searching the net. But other than that, nah. This came up in um, a conversation yesterday with Dr. Hanan, and I wondered your 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 take on this because you you kind of you're doing a show for the podcast party where you're going to be talking about being the middle child and and you mean between 30 and 40. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a group of, of it's a it's a part of the millennial generation. I read a thing about Gen Z and I asked uh, Dr. Hanan about this yesterday mm. that people in that generation are actually traumatized when their phone rings. Yeah. I, I, I was listening yesterday. So 
I don't know what you think of this because you're not in the Gen Z crowd, but do phone calls like frighten the hell out of you like it does Gen Zs, or do you think that's the stupidest thing you've ever heard? I prefer phone you prefer calls. Call? Yeah, because you know, like when when we're texting, there's a lot that can be misunderstood or misconstrued. You know what I mean? Like, um, plus oh. uh, for for some of us, it it can be a little bit difficult picking up the tone that someone is texting in. So why not, you know, get rid of all the miscommunication and all of that stuff? Let's just have a phone call. That way you can completely express whatever ideas you have and I can reply in real time. That way we right. both know exactly where we're going with this. Plus, you know, when when someone I'm I've always been a bit uh cautious when it comes to texting because like I could type a message to you right now and you'll have two or three seconds to think about it and be on some, hmm, how do I perfectly respond to this? Instead of giving right. me your most real response. So if I've got you over the phone and I say something to your dislike or uh, something that you actually like, I can hear your reaction immediately. It just feels a bit more honest. Well, I think a big part of that article that I read from the New York Times was that a lot of these Gen Z people want to be able to craft a response. Mm. They, they don't want to have to respond immediately. So with a text message, if you, let's say, for example, it requires a huge amount of thought. Let's say you haven't actually got your ideas lined up. You don't actually, actually know what you want to reply with. Then it gives you time to figure it out, right? Yeah. Because you don't you always say, oh, well, I, I saw your message, but I was busy with something. I, I, can I get back to you? And then you can craft a very careful message around that. Mm, mm. And so there may be some there may be some merit to it, as much as it sounds ridiculous that these people are traumatized by a call. You know I, what I mean? I don't know. I don't think it's them saying that they are being traumatized by a call is eh, it's 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 again trying to be special. Um and it's just soft, man. Like you're just being a crybaby. You're just being soft. Just grow up. Like, grow up here. Honestly, yeah. What 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 That's could weak. what could possibly happen on that phone call? Like, if you're going to receive oh. bad news, it doesn't matter how you receive them. They're still bad news, whether it's a phone yeah. call or a text. It it really doesn't no. matter. Uh, so, no, sure. I'm just one of I'm I'm old school. Give me a call. In fact. I would much rather you and I have a two-hour conversation over the phone than for us to oh, text no. the whole day. Oh, no, 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 no. You see, you just went way too far beyond what I think is acceptable. Like, it, a phone call has yeah. to be quick. Why? Please. Why? Do not give me like, a two-hour phone call. What are you? Sound like a woman. And I, I mean no disrespect, but women can have long phone calls. I can't. Yeah, well, maybe I'm really? on the phone with a woman. Yeah, but I mean, even if you love her, <laughs> two hours on the phone? Yeah, no, it, 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 sometimes it happens. It happens. All right. Um, so quick thing that I have to throw in here. Uh, tomorrow, we, of course, have our interview of the week. You know, we, we do this um, Wednesday thing now where we play out one interview. And we're talking to a guy called Graham Codrington. He's a, a futurist and a scenario planner and expert in the future of work. Mm. So this may be interesting. Especially if you've just started something new, you know, your year is just getting going, you're wondering what the big trends and the and the the moves 
are going to be in the next couple of months? Well, he's the guy to talk to. Um, I spoke to him about local global politics, remote work, where the workplace is headed this year, and how you can make technology work for you. You know, chat GPT, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, also education and what, importantly, what you should be leaving behind mm. in 2023. What, what kind of stuff we should really move away from because it's just no longer relevant to our lives. So that's going to be interesting. That's tomorrow. Don't miss it. And make sure you subscribe, not only to the YouTube, which you can do right now. You can just click that button. If you're watching us live on YouTube this morning, just click the uh, subscribe button, also the notifications button, so you can see what's going on and get regular updates as we put new content up, whether it's live or it's recorded. Mapello says, I also prefer phone calls. I hate typing. I have to think about the right words to use. Calls are more natural and honest. So he's yeah. entirely on your side. Mm -hmm. Right. David says, if people claim to be traumatized by a phone call, I would suggest they have no idea what trauma actually is. Thank yes, you. that's the point. Yep. But that word is being used. That word is being used everywhere. It's like there are a couple of words that are just so overused. I want to retire those in 2023. The first one that I can think of is journey. You know, mm. when, when people, say that they, people say they're on a journey, yeah, and I don't know if you've heard this from like somebody who's got a job in bookkeeping at the local nursery school will say to you, "I love my job. It's just such a journey." And you're like, "Honey, you 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 keep the books for the tuck shop. Yeah, stop pretending that you're on some quest to throw the ring into Mount Doom in Mordor. <sighs> That's a journey, you know. Yeah. Honestly, like." You, you just stop using that word. People have got to stop saying it's a journey. My life's a journey. Everything's about a journey. The other one is a lifestyle. Somebody, somebody may like motorbikes. Yeah. Let's say you're a huge motorbike fan. You, you just, you, you know everything about these amazing pieces of technology, these vehicles that are just incredibly fast. And you know, maybe to you they're the sexiest things in the world. But don't go telling me it's a lifestyle. So it's not. It's a. It's a vehicle. It's a. Yeah. It's a. It's a, a piece of equipment. Yep. Right. Unless you're part of not, a bike club or something like that. That that's where it becomes even, a lifestyle. But I, I still don't think that's the appropriate word. It's like it's a hobby. That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because people use they use lifestyle for everything. Well, you know, I've really I've started enjoying wearing Crocs. It's such a lifestyle. No. No, it's not. It's just. A, it's a really bad piece of fashion equipment. That's, That's what it. it is. Do you know what I so, also wish we'd get rid of? Yeah, the yeah. whole idea that you've got your truth. Oh, no, I'm just living oh, in my God. truth. It's like, ah. That, hasn't that been so widely discredited? That's such an it's, Oprahism. Uh, it's so annoying. Right? It is so such an annoying. Um, so the journey I'm sick of, mm. the lifestyle. I'm tired of too. Mm. People use that. It's a lazy way to explain a bunch of factors is to just lump them all together and say it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. The other one that I'm sick of is, is, is people using words that have a very specific meaning for something very general. Like, for example, trauma yep. or being traumatized. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, it, if it's a small little thing and it's traumatizing you, I, I would... Say that you don't understand the word trauma. No, you don't. Not that, you, not that you are 
you don't have a legitimate gripe about something or there isn't something that's upset you, that's all fine. We could talk about that, but don't use the word trauma. Mm-mm. Say I'm upset. I'm upset. Whatever happened to just, I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm cross. Mm-hmm. Now it has to be, I'm traumatized, you know? It, so all of these things. Like, yeah, stop like, this. like it, we've, we've got this elevated idea of self these days, which is pretty annoying. I also find it very annoying when someone... Uh, self-diagnoses themselves like they're just walking around saying i'm so depressed i've got so much anxiety and what what, it's like "Eh, i don't know have you spoken to a professional about it Uh, and the answer is always no it's like okay i don't buy it bro just you know have some have a glass of water and call it a day like please And, and here's another one uh community the moment Anything is shared by more than two people. They think it's a, it's a, community. a community. Oh, my God. So enough of this. And you hear people talking about something, you know, like, well, in my community, you're like, what, the three people who live in your house? It's like the, the 10 people in your extended family? The, the five friends you've had since Vasti? What are you talking about? Come on. Let's be very, let's be very specific. I'm, I'm also... I'm just tired of people misusing words. Like there are actually definitions you can look up mm-hmm. for words. Mm-hmm. So stop, stop saying community if you mean me and my friends. It's not yeah. a community. It isn't. Uh, yeah. If it's, if it's you and your, and your aunt and your gran and you get together to gossip about the rest of, um, of, of the, the village, that's not you, your community. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just a couple of people. <laughs> exactly. And there's anyway, absolutely yeah, I, nothing wrong with it. There's absolute. Do you know what I figured out, Gareth? Like in the past, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 years or so, I actually figured mm-hmm. out that all the things that people claim are boring and mundane are actually the things yeah. that make life exciting. Well, life is in the little things, right? Really in the little is. moments. It is. Not all those, not those big standout. Like I was, I drove home yesterday i had a long day yesterday i was driving home and i thought i just i started kind of smiling and laughing in the car Mm. which is always a good sign so it's a sign that you you, despite being really busy and you know a little bit tired you've you've got things going on that that make it worth being alive and being awake and paying attention Mm. and i just suddenly started to to laugh in the car in my own now that's not a moment that if I didn't bring it up this morning on the show, anyone else would have known about. Yeah. It didn't involve other people or, you know, material success of any kind, or I didn't need to call anyone and tell them Mm-mm. immediately afterwards. I probably would never have brought it up if you hadn't said it's the little things. Like that's the stuff that makes me happy. It, it, it's the stuff that's supposed to make all of us happy. And yet, People are of the opinion that if it's not grandiose, if it's not massive, then it doesn't count. Uh, it's like, you idiot. Right. You idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, every time right. I get home from work, like, the moment I see my dog, no oh, matter no. how, it doesn't matter what type of day I was having. If I was having a great mm-hmm. day and then I see my dog, my day just gets a little bit better. If I was having a shitty yeah. day and I, the moment I see him, like... He's so happy to see me that I forget anything that I was thinking about before then. And that's, I'm that, so, it's amazing. I'm so with you. 
Yeah, I love that dude. Oh, hey, listen, we've also got uh, we've got the window seat with travel.co.za a little bit later on, which is very exciting. And mm-hmm. today, Democracy 101, which is going to be very interesting. We've got Dr. France Cronier from the Social Research Foundation. Uh, they've produced some amazing and really solid research around South Africans and what we think about political parties, the upcoming election, mm. future of the country, uh, the the propensity for violence around political issues. So we'll talk about all of that, which I think is pretty fascinating. So I'm, I'm really hoping you will stick around for Dr. Franz Cronier at seven o'clock this morning. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll all enjoy that very much. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about some serious things because there are stories that are in the news, but you're very worried about South Africans' lack of faith in the police at the moment. I mean, the police are so I, I just want to quickly point out two really amazing experiences I've had with the Metro Police. It's not the police police. But yesterday, pulled over going onto Greyston Drive. Um, they were they were doing this to a lot of cars. I had my license, the car license was was up to date, so there wasn't a problem. They weren't checking for fines and things. Mm. Um, although I think it was clear there as well. But this guy was so polite. And and not because he did he didn't recognize me, he didn't know who I was, which is great. And he was just he was doing this with everybody because I watched him do it to the car in front of me, comes to the window, not no like grimace of like, I'm gonna get you, you shitty citizen. You know, I'm here to make your life a misery. This guy was polite, he was friendly, um, he was helpful. He was like, listen, um, I'm just checking to see everybody's licenses are up to date. Can I see your license? And in return, obviously, I was polite as well, which helps because the poor dude's just trying to do his job. Mm. And then on Sunday, um, a similar thing happened. I was driving back from a dinner on Sunday night, uh, and this was on, I think, on Ravonia Road in Johannesburg. Again, really polite. There was not even a suggestion or a hint that this guy was looking for money, Mm. that he was doing this grudgingly that he hated his job both of these men yesterday and the day before dressed smartly their uniforms were, were, were pristine i was just impressed i was like you know what if anyone from anywhere in the world saw this they'd go oh these guys are not they know what they're doing mm-hmm. i love that i really thought that was very very cool so before you launch into what I think is probably a very justifiable criticism of either us or the police, I just thought I'd throw that in because nobody ever says anything good about the poor old police. Yeah, no one ever really does. Uh, but, you know, ultimately they, they provide a service that we actually need in this country. And according to an article that I came across uh, yesterday, they did a survey um, of the third quarter, uh, excuse me, the fourth quarter of 2022. And, you know, they found that 27% of South Africans still have faith in the criminal uh, justice system, starting from... 27%. Gareth. And when I think about it... So yesterday, what I did was I did a a bit of a uh, survey somewhat, I'm amongst the people that are uh, connected to me. And I asked everyone, like, have you ever had anything returned to you 
by the police. So if something goes missing and you report it to the police, has you ever had something replaced or at least brought back to you? And not a single person in my life <laughs> said they found they, they've had anything returned to them by the police. And I actually wanted to ask you as well, Gareth, have you ever reported no. something stolen and then have it re, uh, returned by the police? I do know some people who've had like a car stolen and mm. then obviously the car comes back to them and it's no, nowhere near in the condition that it used to be, but yeah. they, they've got it back. So that's happened to, I think, two people that I know. But w what kinds of things are you talking about? Are you talking about stuff that is stolen by someone and you report it lost at the police yeah. station? Yeah. So oh, where you are a victim it, of a crime and you report it to the police like the well, responsible citizen that you are and then you have something returned. Okay, so first of all, it's not always the police's fault if you don't get it back. Because sure. maybe... Maybe they couldn't find the guy who stole it. Mm. Maybe the person who stole it has already sold it on. So even if they catch this person, they're not going to retrieve the goods. Um, sometimes, and I'm not looking for excuses here, but sometimes it can also get lost in the system. Let's say it's a phone, and then they must find, I don't know, hundreds of phones. Yeah, They must arrest hundreds of people who have stolen goods on them. Maybe if it's a small item, it just gets lost in the system. I'm not saying it's right, but um, that's not always the police's fault. Sure. Don't you think? Sure. Look, a lot of things can can fall through the cracks, understandably, especially uh, given how uh, crime affects us in this country. But there, when it comes down to it, if we yeah. do not have faith, like as this article suggests, only 27% of our population seems to believe in the police. If yeah. we are ultimately going to be put in a position whereby we're going to have to take put the law in our own hands, and that is not something that any of us want to put ourselves through. I mean, there was a situation that happened in Deep Sluit last year towards the end of the year. I'm not sure if you heard about it, where some community members uh, ultimately killed someone because that person was committing crime. And the people that were involved in it were the ones that were the first ones to be arrested. Now, I always wondered to myself, if the police were doing their job accordingly, would those residents feel the need to defend themselves the way that they did to the point whereby someone lost their lives? We've always had a bit of a problem in this country, and it goes back to the, the, the apartheid era where communities, and there I'm using that word, but let's say groups of people in neighborhoods have felt, in particular, this happens in, or happened, clearly according to you, it still happens in informal settlements, townships, you know, they're, they're areas where people are in very close proximity, they don't have a lot of room, mm. and there's a lot of competition, and resources are scarce. And what happens is, and again, this is an explanation, it's by no means a condemnation of what happens, but we used to have situations where also people would find an Ascari in a, in a community and then they would, they'd kangaroo caught the guy, you know, they'd necklace him. Mm. Um, we've also seen outbreaks in a similar vein against xen xenophob well, xenophobic outbreaks yeah. against people who are not from South Africa. Similar kind of energy 
you know, someone in the community is disliked for some reason, mm -hmm. whether it's witchcraft or it's because they're from uh, Somalia or Zimbabwe or wherever else. Yeah. And then the, the, the people in that community take it out on them and sometimes will kill them or they will steal their stuff or punish them in some way. Um, and we called these kangaroo courts for a long time. And I think the government spent a lot of time in the early 90s trying to, to deal with this and to dissuade people from um, taking charge of the justice system themselves. Yeah, I don't know whether it worked properly or not, but I think it, it did get better for a long while. And then the xenophobic violence broke out, so that, again, brought it back into sharp focus. And now you do see, like if somebody steals something in, let's say, an informal settlement, and the neighbors catch that person, they meet out their justice there and then. Mm -hmm. They don't wait. For, they don't wait for the police, right? Yeah, and and for for the most part, when I was growing up, that's just how uh, crime was dealt with in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. More often than not, uh, they would find the perpetrator, give them a severe hiding, and then call the police. And the police would show up with an ambulance yeah. in tow. Uh, realizing that, you know, they need to patch this person up before they take them to prison. And more often than not, again, they would show up, patch the person up, and basically leave them and be on some, look, if you want to get this hiding again, you'll try stealing again. And, you know, the the recidivism rate was pretty low back then. But I am well, not advocating I mean, for people... Uh, yeah putting the law taking the law into their own hands i'm i am really not um i'm actually trying to point out the gap that exists between uh everyday people and you know the the people that are specifically put in place to serve those communities and you know a, a couple of weeks ago there was uh there's a shopping complex in my neighborhood and it is yeah literally across the street from the police station. And the entire block of shops was held at gunpoint. People stole money and all of this stuff. And it's literally across mm -hmm. the street from the police station, which then begs the question, like, what do we do then if the yeah. police are right there and they're either not willing to do anything about it or they are incapable of doing it? What do we do about that? Eh, uh, you can't, if, if we have a criminal justice system at all, mm. then that should be the only way that we deal with crimes, small ones and big ones. Because the moment you let uh, people just capriciously decide what they will and won't punish at community level, you end up with people, innocent people being killed. Definitely. And some people say, oh, well, that, well, that's okay, that's collateral, but I don't think that's right. And you also have you know, like essentially witch burning. Like we don't like her because she looks like uh, she's suspicious. Yeah. She's just some old lady living her life. But no, no, someone in the community said she's a witch. So let's burn her. I mean, that's, that's horrific. And it happens. Look, it does. I'm, I'm not disputing that. Like uh, more of like people, if they're left to their own devices, they'll, they'll just come up with whatever reason they can possibly come up with to get rid of someone they don't like. More especially like the mob mentality. If you can get people behind this one idea, then you can take out whoever you want. Um, it's yeah. just unfortunate 
that it seems more especially in places like the townships where as you mentioned people are living in really close proximity it's mm-hmm. it, it it for me it's a recipe for disaster if no one of real authority steps in to do something about it because at this point in time more and more people are going to find uh, a reason to just you know take the law into their own hands which is a future that none of us want to see Well, this is where it's important that you brought up that 27% um, of people believe that the police are doing their job and have faith in the police and all the rest. That's a scary number. It is. Because that that will mean people will go, why should we call the police? We can deal with this ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Dangerous. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's downhill from But, there. So Michael says, I had a break-in while I was away. The neighbor's night guard stopped them returned my stuff when I came home days later and included a Makita battery, tools, a gaming PC, and a 27-inch monitor. Mm. Holy shit, Michael. So that's a good, that God, I hope you gave him some serious uh, thanks and money. Yep, definitely. Definitely. That's, that's someone who's really... I mean, we, a lot of people in security who don't know what they're doing. Right? Yeah, if, they if the guy actually got his stuff back, this guy is great. He's legit. You're lucky to have him. Yep, mm-hmm. Definitely. He is legit. Um, Slippery Pickle says, uh, I hogtied a thief and brought him to the station. They threatened to arrest me and they let the thief go. Oh, my God. That's usually what happens. That. that is usually mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah. Um, Carl says, it's totally natural in South Africa. We've privatized everything else. Why not justice? Hmm. That's an interesting question. That is a very interesting All right. question. Uh, one other quick thing before we uh, we get to the window seat. So I thought this was interesting. Um, Australia, and this this links to what we're going to be talking about in in the the window seat going forward. Australia has axed its so-called golden visa, which granted wealthy overseas investors the right to live in Australia. Designed to attract foreign business, it was cut in an immigration overhaul that the government found was delivering poor economic outcomes. Critics have long argued that the scheme was being used by corrupt officials to park illicit funds. It will be replaced with a more skilled worker visa and those those you can get into a lot of countries a lot of first world countries have a skilled worker visa means if you can do something that no one else can mm-hmm. or you do it better than them they want you yeah. they'll give you a visa but um this idea of a golden visa which was just for wealthy people mm, you're asking for trouble there's a lot of crooks who have lots of money but who you don't necessarily want in your country will be using that right yep wealthy people always kill me like it's it's they they want their own uh entrance at the airport you know what i mean they they want to yeah, yeah, oh, yeah everything needs to be separate oh. just for them it's 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 a very interesting seat to sit in i hope i get wealthy one day i want to figure out how many cool things i can get away with you know what i mean skip the line at customs just walk in ah oh, sounds like oh, a, it just sounds like a lot oh, yeah. of fun Um, but the program has come under scrutiny for its al- alleged loopholes and vulnerabilities. Mm. In 2016, a government inquiry raised concerns that this golden visa system had the potential for money laundering and other nefarious activities. You hear that? You so, need to be wealthy to to be accused of money laundering and loopholes at airports. Yeah. There's no poor people. There's no people money laundering who who have no money. There you go. <laughs> like. It's it's I'm telling you Gareth one of these good days uh I don't know I'll I'll 
try win the Powerball in the next couple of days and see what kind oh, of wow. <laughs> and see what, what kind of great fun you uh, and come up uh, with. <laughs> you and twenty million other South Africans trying yeah. to win the Powerball. Go yeah. ahead. It's a scam. It is a scam. All right. Uh, it's time for the window seat. This is our opportunity every couple of weeks where we get to talk about travel. Mm-hmm. We get to look at it in detail. And of course, it's brought to you by travel.co.za. Go and check out the travel.co.za website. I know many people are just getting back from holidays. Maybe you were lucky enough to have had a break over December, but you've got to start planning. And the further in advance, the, the, the further ahead you book these things, the better. And we've obviously been talking to some of the best people in South Africa over the course of last year about travel, about the secrets around travel, the uh, the hacks that can get you ahead, the things that will make your life a whole lot easier. Today, of course, no exception to that rule. Jackie Reed joins us. Jackie is the Incentive and Global Immersion Specialist at Turvest. So what that means, Jackie, is that you are the one who can tell us what's on the calendar. How are you for 2024? Good morning, Gareth. Nice to see you, Jackie. So you deal specifically with with sports and incentive trips. These are for for companies. And, you know, there are probably a lot of South Africans who last year would have taken advantage of some of the the offerings that you guys have at Tourvest in terms of sport because we had so many sports events on and so many that involved South Africa. Um, So you, you look at the calendar in January of 2024, what have we got to look forward to this year? What are the big sporting events that we can build things around? Well, I think, um, Gareth, the uh, Summer Olympics happens this year, again, uh, in France, uh-huh. Paris. Uh, that's a big major. Right. That's um, sure. Summer Olympics and the uh, Paralympics. We've currently got mm-hmm. the AFCON on at the moment. Uh-huh. Um, we've got uh, the Monica Grand Prix. Um, we've got uh, Wimbledon, Roland Garros. Uh, rugby sevens. There's there's so many so many major sporting events that are happening, and and I think we've just right, had so one with Aldrichus Duplessis. You know that's pretty major. That was a big one. Do people fly out for fights like that? Um, we never had any, but I, I think they are. He's got a big following. Sure. So let's just look at at clearly France is still cleaning up because we mentioned the Rugby World Cup last year, and then you you immediately brought out the Olympics which I, I'd forgotten was in France. And then we've got, uh, you know, Roland Garros as well. So obviously Paris is a good place to be this year. It has been for the last two years. Um, is is that a very difficult thing to do for, let's say you're a big company and you need to take 10 people to these things. Is it is it very easy to book a group booking like that? How does it actually work? Well, we use uh, DMCs uh, that um, uh, facilitates and assists us in these bookings, um, and they're very knowledgeable about the destinations. So you know, it's, it's, it's easy when you've got someone that's uh, there on the ground. Um, I uh, was lucky enough to uh, uh, take a group to the Rugby World Cup last year, and we had a mm-hmm. really, really great um, uh, support team on that side uh, in terms of booking the travel. You know, we obviously book the flights and accommodation, but the the ground handling we use a DMC. What's it? What does DMC stand uh, for? Destination what's it, what's it, yeah, Management was, Company. Okay. Oh, I thought it was a deep, meaningful conversation. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, you get you get there with this group of people. Obviously, it's a lot harder to arrange a very big group than it is to do a small one. But 
Are these things very expensive? Yes. I mean, the tickets themselves to these events, I don't think they would be cheap. I mean, you know, the Rugby World Cup last year must have been pretty expensive. We had someone on our show yesterday who was there. Yeah, Gareth, they 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 bucket list items. You know, you you look at the Ryder Cup, you look at the Masters, the Rugby World Cup from last year, all the mm. you know the major events. They the, the ticket prices are very very expensive. And what are the most popular events? I mean, what are the ones that South Africans especially want to go to? Uh, Formula One's always very popular. Rugby sevens. You've got um, you've got the uh, tennis majors. Uh, the uh, um, Australian is um, uh, opens on at the moment. You've got the Labor Cup, Wimbledon. Um, football's you know obviously big as well. And then cricket. You've got the RCC T Twenty on in uh, the states and shared by the West Indies this year. So um, yeah, and, and they all come at high prices. But I think if you're a big corporation and you've got uh, targets and you've got a team who are, are trying to reach those targets and you've got people who are competing internally for uh, for kudos, for rewards, for uh, these incentives to to go their way, I mean, it's a it's a hell of a nice thing to happen. Mm. You know, if you are if you work in a in a big company and you're slogging day by day and trying to make things as as successful as possible in the company, then your boss comes around and says. By the way, you're shooting the lights out. We're going to send you to Wimbledon. I don't think anyone would go, oh, no, I don't know if I want to go. You mm -hmm. know, they'd be like, hell yes, that's fantastic. So do, are there a lot of companies in South Africa that do these incentive trips? You know, just stepping back, you know, sports, most people are passionate about sports. So that's really, you know, taking at your yeah. heartstrings. So, um, sure. yes, I, you know, anyone would jump at that opportunity. Are there are there many companies in South Africa that do these things as part of their internal, you know, sort of HR reward systems? Is that what they do? Is yeah. it is it uh, very structured? Are there are there lots of them or just a few? No, we see it increasing um, year, year on year. Um, you know, sports has become very you know very popular popular in the centre market. Okay, well, um, there are a couple of other things I need to know. What was your most recent big sports event that you went to? Because you obviously have to go along with some of these. Uh, you've got people to look after, right? Yes, um, I think I've already mentioned it. I was fortunate enough to go to the Rugby World Cup last year, and I uh, oh. was at the two semifinals and the final, so it was pretty amazing. Hectic. Now, all three of the last big games. Yes, oh, and they just, uh, everything just fell into place <laughs> one point at a time. And isn't it awesome if we also win? You know, if, if South Africans are there and South Africa cleans up, that's just the best possible outcome, right? Yeah, Gareth, you know, the Sunday before I left, uh, we were we had just won the quarters, so that was amazing. We knew we were going to be in the, in the semis, and then we won the semis, uh, the semi game and we were in the finals. So it was just, yeah, it was absolutely wow. amazing. And that semi-final could have made anyone's heart stop. That was one of the most thrilling games of rugby that I personally have ever watched. Uh, the fact that you were there personally, just it's it's mind blowing. Oh. Yeah, no, it, like it was great. Um, in terms of uh, some of the events that are happening this year, do you have anything you're particularly looking forward to? Definitely the Olympics. Mm. I think that's going to be a you know, and it's 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 on the same time zone as we are, you know, yeah. so getting to, to Paris is a direct flight and there's some nice packages out there. 
So, Jackie, how does it work with the Olympics? Because that's like a whole month of events. Um, will people want to go and see a particular event or will they just want to be part of the, the whole Olympic vibe and just see what's on on any you know, given couple of days? Uh, you know, obviously, you fell, you follow your passion. You know, the, the, the Olympics is, that I've been to, you know, I was a, a, an athlete at school, so I love to follow the athletics. I love to follow the the gymnastics and the swimming. So, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you look at those events and that's what people f follow. You know, some might want to just go and, you know, take a bouquet of, of a whole range of sports, but it's, uh, you know, I, th I think you follow your passion. So what kind of stuff do you have to think about when you're planning an incentive trip like this? And and there may be people listening right now who are in charge of these, uh, these, these uh, whatever they are, reward systems in, in, within a company. Maybe they're listening to us now thinking, oh, um, what do I have to consider? Accommodation, flights, um, what, what other things come into it that, that we don't know if we're not in the business? You know, obviously visas for South Africans that hold South African passports. Um, right. Yeah, and you know, you just you have to make sure that you select the right the right package. You know, you you don't want to go all the way there and have a whole lot of uh, you know tickets that you're not uh, you know with with the sport that you don't support. So it helps to do a bit of research. Yes. And then, how do these companies usually do? Um, it used to be it used to be called S and T. You know, like your your kind of daily allowances or whatever. And I know you guys have got this uh, brilliant travel IT system that kind of takes care of all of that and accounts for it, which for companies is terrific because you don't have to then collect receipts from people and they forgot this and they added that and it's all very jumbled and confusing. This system puts it all together for them so that you have a complete accounting of what people are doing on these trips and what the company has to pay for. But are there, are there still those allowances? Does that, does that still come into play? Well, we do a costing for for the for the, for the uh, corporate, um, so they are aware of what the costs are, um, you know, it's, and it's whether they want to include them or not. So, um, yeah, you know, from a from a incentive perspective, um, the costing gets approved, and uh, you know, whatever we put forward, the corporate who whoever is the decision decision make maker can decide, you know, in terms of what they want to include and not include. Um, Things as simple as like daily allowances for, for, for meals or, you know, whether they want to right. do, you know, certain excursions, et cetera, et cetera. So right. that's a big uh, One last thing. Um, what, what are the more exotic things that you've had uh, companies pay for, for, the, for their, you know, best performing sales guy or whatever? What are the more extraordinary and exciting and interesting and out of left field destinations you've had to arrange these for? Um, are you are you speaking from sports or just in general? No, it doesn't have to be sport. It could be anything. Just an incentive trip where you know they've said, "Listen, we've got this one guy or this one girl at the business in the in the company who's just done an incredible job this year. We want to give them a truly once in a lifetime experience." Uh, what are the more exotic things that they've asked for? Cruises are very, very big at the moment, you know, and you can get uh, multi multiple destinations um, in one cruise, um, so that's quite popular. Um, I, I can't say we've had anything weird and wonderful. Um, you know, it's, I it might get, it might get there. <laughs> Here we were, we were hoping for a little bit of tea. Hey, Gareth, like we wanted to hear some outlandish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I know, I know a couple who just went, um, on holiday to Turkey and they decided on a whim to go to Moscow 
-hmm. Russia. Now we know that you know Russia's at war at the moment, so mm -hmm. most people would probably not decide to go there. They said they had the most amazing time there. It was absolutely spectacular, and in the middle of winter, mm -hmm. but they said they loved it. So I'm just wondering, you know, if you if you do your research and yeah. you really find something truly amazing you you guys can help put that together mm. all right well tell us where we can get more information obviously we know about travel.co.za but um how do you guys like to operate um just be a little more specific well just like if people want to get hold of you to try and arrange these things okay yeah so um you know obviously um you can contact uh you know the, our, our reception or you can contact uh me um we are our incentive uh, line and uh yeah we'll we'll uh, make sure that we right. you know sit down and uh, look at a couple of briefs for you um yeah <laughs> jack is the Incentive and Global Immersion Specialist at Tervest. You can get hold of her. We'll put all the details up on the website too. Thank you, Jackie. Nice to see you. Thank you, Gareth. Thanks very much. Cheers. There's Jackie. And I hope you're ready for Democracy 101, which is coming up next. Very exciting stuff. Featuring Franz Cronier, who we haven't spoken to for a long while. He has some amazing research, which I think is going to give us some tremendous insight, insights into what South Africa's thinking, where we're all at, the elections are coming up this year. We've got a lot to worry about, think about, consider. And France has got a, uh, uh, he's got his finger on the pulse of exactly what's going on there too. Lots of cool stuff on the way. Don't go anywhere. Cliffcentral.com. It is Tuesday. Cliffcentral.com.